invite you to remain standing for the reading of Scripture. We'll read from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Let's join together. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some of you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we commend and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning, my name is Brandon Blackson. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Acts 2, and I did know that I was preaching this morning before I got here, so just to clarify, nothing was dropped on me whenever I got here, but it's exciting to be with you. I'm excited to share this message. We're in week two of our sermon series, Jesus Didn't Say That, and as you saw in our bumper video, um, that we are looking at different sayings that people say that, um, that are religious, in some case, even sound like they might have come from the Bible or might have come from the lips of Jesus, and, um, and yet that don't. And so we're going to look into those, we're going to dig into those and hear what is the greater truth at work, what, what is the truth, and, and what does Jesus say that speaks a greater truth than what these things portray. So last week we started with everything happens for a reason, and, uh, and we talked about this phrase, and one of the things that we found out was it's true, but not always in the way that it's meant. It, it's true that everything happens for a reason that everything that happens has a cause, but, uh, but usually whenever we hear this phrase, what, what is meant is that everything happens for a God-ordained reason, and uh, that's not something that we believe. We believe that things happen, that God is active in the world, but not that God causes everything, and, and we saw that some of the troubling implications of that can be that if someone's struggling, if someone's sick, if someone has um, cancer or some other disease, the, the implication of that can be that God caused that for, for, for some reason, which uh, is not who we know God to be, and, and so what we saw is that God does not cause bad things to happen, but God works in and through those bad things to bring good out of them. And so the way that Pastor Mark shared it was that God's providence oversees what happens on our planet, and God has invited us to be co-laborers in bringing heaven to earth. So God is active, God is working, God provides for us, and yet God also gives us freedom and invites us to be a part of what God is doing. God works through us to bring bad, to bring good out of bad situations. So, so that's, that's where we came down last week. This week, we're looking at God helps those who help themselves. Has anyone heard that before? So no one, I was going for hands, I guess, but I should have been listening. But yes, so we've heard that. You, you know that phrase. It, it's a very popular phrase. It's beloved. And, uh, and many people even think that it comes from the Bible. And according to one survey, survey that the Barna Group did, 81% of Christians thought that either the, the actual words or, or the idea comes from Scripture. And, uh, and I even read about one survey of people's most beloved Bible verses, and this was at the top. So here's a free tip. If you 
your favorite Bible verse, make sure to look it up and that it's actually in there. Because whenever you quote it to someone, they'll be like, I don't think that's actually in the Bible. So, so that's a good thing to check. But, but this is a, still a beloved phrase. And, you know, whenever I think about it, I, I think about my daughter who's three and, and she loves to help herself. Like everything she wants to do by herself and putting on shoes, getting dressed. And, and you know, the other thing is that everything that she does herself takes a lot longer than if I had done it. And so I know that it's good for her to like help herself and to learn how to do those things. And sometimes it's just time to leave the house. And, and whenever she insists on putting on her own shoes and, and choosing the ones that lace up, she doesn't know how to tie her shoes yet. And, and I'm just trying to get somewhere on time. Like That's not helpful. But we know that desire to help ourselves to be self-sufficient is deep within us. I think that's deep within our, our culture, particularly as Americans. And so we can see this appeal that, that this phrase has. So we're going to look at it. But, but as I said, it doesn't come from the Bible. It actually, um, so it doesn't come from, uh, from Benjamin Franklin, but he quoted it in Poor Richard's Almanac. Uh, it actually has uh, its origins in Greek mythology centuries before Jesus was born, but it stuck around and, and was popularized in America by uh, Poor Richard's Almanac as uh, then Franklin um, got that, uh, put that together, but, but we're going to look at that. And, and so one of the things that I think people mean whenever they say this is that we shouldn't ask God for things that we can do for ourselves. And I think that that gets at part of it that is right. So, so we're going to look at what it gets right. And, and so this idea that, that we shouldn't ask God to do something that we're unwilling to do for ourselves or that we're able to do for ourselves and so at some point today, I'm thinking you all are probably, unless you're really busy whenever you leave here, you're going to eat lunch, right? You're going to eat some meal, and probably you're not going to go and sit down at your table and pray and say, God, please provide us lunch, and then wait, right? Is anyone planning that? That's not usually the way that we do it, right? We believe that God provides, but, but we don't expect God to provide in that way. God, God gives us resources and, uh, and, and gives us abilities, and, and so we use those. And so whenever we pray for God to provide, we're, we're also going to go to a restaurant and pay for our lunch, or, or we're going to use the things that we have in our refrigerator and at our homes, or we're going to run to the grocery store because there's just one or two or 18 things that we need for lunch to get ready, but, but we don't wait for God to provide those, right? God's given us abilities that that we can use in order to do that. And, uh, and so we don't just, I think that's one thing that this phrase gets right, is that we don't just ask God to do things that, that God has given us a way to do for ourselves. There's this idea that comes out of the Benedictine tradition, uh, the, the monks that, that find themselves in the tradition started by St. Benedict, but, but it's this idea of ora et labora. It's Latin for pray and work. And, and the idea is that, that they don't just sit around and pray the entire time, but they actually do work as well. In, in many cases, those monasteries are self-sufficient. They, they grow food and, and they make their own clothes and do all the work that's necessary in order to provide for themselves, but, but they also take time to pray. So they have set, a t- set apart time to pray, and then they also do the work that's necessary to sustain themselves while bathing that work in prayer. Because the other extreme is, is while we're not going to go and sit at an empty table and pray for lunch and, and wait for God to provide that, we also just don't go about our work as if God's not doing anything. So this morning I'm preaching a sermon that I knew about ahead of time, and so as I was preparing, I wasn't just working on my own, because you're coming here not, I'm guessing, my mom's going to be at the next service, she might be coming just to hear me, but the rest of you did not come for that reason, right? I mean, you're here because you want to hear a word from God. And and so if I just work on my own and it's only me, that's not going to happen. And even if you learn something, that's not going to be what you're here for. Uh, On the other hand, if I I just sit at my desk and pray and, God, I need a message and, and then just wait like this, 
like I'm going to show up and say, uh, well, God didn't speak, so it's going to be a short service today. And while a few of you might be excited about getting out to eat or whatever you're going to do next, like that's, that's not why we're here. And so we need both of those things. We, we need prayer and we need work. And we need those things to work together because there, there's this power that happens whenever those two things go together. There's, there's this synergy that whenever we combine our work with what God does, then we're able to do things that we never could have, do, <clears throat> never could have done on our own. God does things w- through us and with us that we might not even see if it's possible. And, and so we pray and we work, and as we're working, we're praying, and, and as we're praying, we're also thinking about the ways that God might use us, that we might use our work in order to bless God and to bless God's people. And so sometimes whenever we think about just, just praying and waiting for something to happen, it has basically the same kind of efficacy as, as what James describes in, in chapter 2 of his letter. He says, if one of you says to someone who's in need, go in peace, keep warm and, and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it, right? I mean, if you, if you see someone on the street who's hungry and you just say, go and be well-fed, like, they're not going to be very happy with you, Right? I mean, you need to actually do something. And, and so there's this balance that we strike. We pray and we work, and we ask God to work through us. Because one of the things that we know, one of the things that we see throughout Scripture, and, and we heard a few weeks ago from, from Melissa Nelms, our, our director of discipleship, is that God equips us. God provides and equips so that we can help ourselves. God provides and equips so that we can help ourselves. God gives us the things that we need. God gives us ability. God's given us this amazing planet and, and all the, the food that grows on it and the amazing things. God's given us these amazing bodies that can do so much. He's given us minds and, and that we can use that, that come up with amazing possibilities. And, and God wants us to use those things, to, to put them into practice, to use the things that God has already provided and equipped us with. And, and so in a sense, I think... God helps those who help themselves is true in that it points to this. I think a better way to say it is that God provides and equips so that we can help ourselves, right? God's, God's helped us in the first place. It's the reason that we're able to work, but God expects us to use the things that God has given us. There's also a problem, though, right? We wouldn't be talking about this this morning if, if it was exactly right. And so here's what I think this phrase gets wrong is, is a lot of times whenever I hear this, it's whenever we're talking about um, people who are in need. We're talking about people who, need, who are in need, and, and maybe we're talking about, uh, about public policy and, and the level of public assistance that should be available to people who are in need. And, and sometimes you hear, well, God helps those who help themselves, so, so we shouldn't help them, but they, they should do whatever, they should get a job or do something to help themselves. And, and I think, you know, I think it's, it's important that we help in the best way we can, but we have to be really careful whenever we're talking about that. Because sometimes God helps those who help themselves can become an excuse not to help people. Sometimes if, if we think that, if we put the whole onus on them, then that takes away any responsibility for us to, to help other people. And, and so we hear a lot of times, maybe you've heard this, but sometimes whenever we have these kinds of conversations, there, there's a Bible verse that comes up, and this comes from Second Thessalonians, but it's the one that we read before we started, and this is part of that. For even when we are with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. And so sometimes people quote this, I, I hear this a lot sometimes from politicians, and, uh, and the, what, what we find whenever we read this in context, and, and while you're looking up your favorite Bible verse, it's also a good idea to like read the paragraph that it's in, because it, the context makes a difference too. But whenever we read this, what we find is that this, this community in Thessalonica, they, they were expectantly waiting for Jesus to return, they expected it to happen soon, like, like if Jesus comes tomorrow, they wouldn't have been surprised. And so some of them were like, you know, if Jesus is going to show up anyway, like, 
Why am I going to go to work? I'm, he's probably going to come before payday, so there's not even a point. And so some of them were not working. They'd stopped. And, and in doing so, you know, whenever people don't have something constructive to do, they start finding things that are not constructive. And so they became busybodies. He, he said, Paul said they're not busy, they're busybodies. And so they need to stop being disruptive and earn what they're eating. And so part of this, what he was talking about, is just getting people not to, to take away from the community, but actually to build it up. And so he was giving an internal command to the Christian community. And, and what that, I think, is similar to is whenever we join this church, we make commitments. We make a commitment that we're going to support the church through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. That, that's a rule for us. We wouldn't, we wouldn't ascribe that rule to other people. We wouldn't expect people outside of our community to do those things. That's something for us. And, and so I think whenever we hear this verse and, and we apply it broadly like to a public policy perspective, then, then we're actually using it in a way that God didn't intend it for it to be met and that I don't think Paul intended for it to be met. Now, I think we need to be careful. I, I don't think there's a one Christian perspective on the best way to provide assistance either in an individual or government level. That's, that's another conversation that uh, we don't have time for today, but, but I, I do think we need to be careful about using this verse and others like it in a way that lets us off the hook. Because one of the pitfalls that we can fall into is if we're not careful, we set ourselves up as the judge of who is deserving of help. Again, I think we need to use our resources as wisely as possible, but sometimes we fall into, you know, well, why would I help them? They, they, don't, know, they don't deserve it. Why would I help them? They're too lazy to get a job, or why would I help anyone? And if we're not careful, we're the ones who are making that evaluation. And, you know, sometimes we know people's stories, but a lot of times we don't. A lot of times there's a lot more going on than what we can see from the outside, and if we're setting ourselves up as, as the ones who are making those decisions who can tell who's deserving of help and, and who's not, then, then we're going to be in trouble. Because that's not our job. That's God's job. And I've got to say thank God because I, I don't want that to be my job. But we have to be careful because sometimes we fall into that situation where we're trying to figure out who's really deserving of help. And, and you know, if we really get down to it, who is deserving? All of us at some point or another are not. Ultimately, we're not. And I've experienced this. I've experienced helping people and having that backfire. I remember once whenever I was in high school, I was filling up my car with gas and someone came up to me and told me this sad story about needing to get back to Ardmore. I was in Norman and his family was there and he just needed a few bucks to fill up his car and get there. So I, I gave him 10 bucks and he left. Two or three days later, I saw him and I was not in Ardmore and uh, was still in Norman and apparently something had happened, but he was there. And, you know, that didn't feel good. I was not happy. And in fact, I was extremely mad and, and he was bigger than me. So I didn't let him know how I was feeling, but I thought things. <laughs> that feels bad. No one likes to be taken advantage of. But, you know, if we let that stop us, then we're ultimately not going to end up helping anyone because we can find a reason not to help anyone. I can't. If you need help, let me know, and I'll help you. But, but ultimately, God calls us to be generous. God calls us to help people. And so I'm not going to tell you the best way to do that, but I'm going to tell you we need to be careful about finding ways out of that because we think other people may or may not be deserving. What, what Jesus does say whenever he talks to us about helping people who are in need is this from Matthew chapter 25. He, he tells a, a parable about the last judgment and, and what's the standard by which we'll be judged. And this is what he says. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, 
and you came to visit me. This is how he concludes. The, the people said to him, Lord, we didn't ever see you hungry and, and feed you. What are you talking about? This is what he says. He says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whenever we serve people who are in need, whenever we serve the least, we're actually serving Christ. And, you know, whenever I look at that, one word that I don't see is deserving. I don't see the word, you know, whenever you saw me hungry and deserving of help, you fed me. Just, I was hungry. That's the standard for us. Now, now again, we need to be wise with the resources that we're given. But God asks us to care for people who are in need, who are in need period, and to love. And so that's one of the problems, I think, is that whenever we talk about God helps those who help themselves, if we're just letting ourselves off the hook, then we're not fulfilling the obligation that God has given to us. We're not loving our neighbors as ourselves. If we continue on that path, if we continue to take this phrase to its logical conclusion, we really run into trouble. And I think this is really the reason why this is worth talking about. If we really believe that God helps those who help themselves, then, then basically if we're putting ourselves, making ourselves responsible for our own salvation. If God helps those who help themselves, then God's only going to help us if we help ourselves. And, and that's not what the gospel is all about. In fact, it, it runs the danger of undermining the entire message of scripture. Over and over again, we see people choosing not to help themselves, turning their backs on God, and, and yet God continues to reach out to them and help them and lift them up and offer them salvation in his name. So as we think about this, here, here's what Jesus did say. Jesus was going about his early ministry. We read about this in Mark chapter 2, and he called his first disciples. He called Peter and Andrew, Simon at that point, Simon and Andrew, and James and John, and then he found another guy named Levi, Levi also known as Matthew, who, who was a tax collector. And, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you grew up in a church, you know, you've heard um, that tax collectors were not well-liked people, um, even to a degree that is not true today. So if you imagine, like, IRS agents being, um, being paid a commission, like, that's, that's how they were thought of. They, they were traitors to their own people. They worked for the Roman occupiers. And, and they made their money by taking extra on top of the taxes that were owed. And so no one liked tax collectors. And, and Jesus found this tax collector and invited him to become a disciple, so Levi left everything. He was sitting in his tax booth, I, I guess kind of like a toll booth on the road, and, and left and followed him. And then he invited Jesus over for dinner, and he threw a party. And he was a tax collector, so you can imagine the kind of people who would come to a party that a tax collector threw. Do you think like the, the really good people were there, all the really religious people who were righteous? And do you think those are the people who showed up? No, his tax collector friends, his sinner friends, people who were looked down on, who, who were denied access to, to the good things in society, who, people who were on the outs. They're the ones who showed up. And, and so some Pharisees were walking by, and they looked over, and they saw this party going on, and all these people who were there, and Jesus was there, and they're like, those are the people that he's associating with? And so they asked his disciples, why is he spending time with sinners? This is how he responded. Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm in danger of thinking that I'm the one who is righteous and, and those other people are the ones who need help. And what Jesus says is, I didn't come to help the people who don't think they need it. I came for the people who need me. I came for the people who are at the bottom, who are struggling, the people who can't help themselves, maybe even the people who can help themselves but so far have chosen not to. And so the message that we hear in Scripture is that God became human in Jesus Christ, that God was incarnate and came and lived among us and hung out with people like sinners and tax collectors and ultimately died for them. 
and was risen from the dead and invited all of them into this new community, all of us together into this new way of life. God doesn't just help those who help themselves. God helps all, regardless of our ability or merit. It doesn't have anything to do with what we're able to do, whether we can or can't help ourselves. It doesn't matter if we're righteous or unrighteous or sinners or, or not or church people or people who have never been to church. Because here's the thing, every one of us at one point or another is in a situation where we can't help ourselves or we just can't. Whether it's something going on with our health, a diagnosis, whether it's our family life is just falling apart, whether we fall on hard times, lose a job, and just don't know what to do financially, all of us finds ourselves in that situation at some point or another when we just can't help ourselves. Here's the thing, maybe some of you are here today because you find yourself in that situation, you've never been to church and just kind of wandered in hoping to find hope. Is What I hope that you hear today, what you remember is that Jesus came for people like you who are in a situation like the one that you're in, and he came to help you regardless of whether you can help yourself. He came and he offered himself for you. God doesn't just help those who help themselves. God helps all regardless. So here's some ways that we can live this out because we're not just preaching this so we can correct your language, right? We, we actually believe that these things make a difference in the way that we live. So here's some ways that I want to suggest to you here, two action steps that I hope that you'll take this week. First is that, I, is that you pray and work. Don't just work, don't just pray, but do, what? do both. Pray for the things you work for and work for the things that you pray for. Because as I said earlier, whenever those two things happen together, God does amazing things. And sometimes we're tempted to just pray and not do anything about it. And sometimes we're just tempted to work as though if we don't do it, no one will. And neither of those things is right. God wants us to do both. So spend time alone with God in prayer. But then whenever you go out and work, don't do it alone. Bathe your work in prayer. Ask God for guidance. Ask God to strengthen you. Ask God to show you how God is moving in that situation. So work and pray this week. And then help someone regardless of you think if they deserve it, regardless of whether you think they deserve it. Because that's what God asks us to do. I'm not saying go out and, and give millions of dollars to, to anyone who will take it just because, but you don't have to decide whether someone is worthy or not. God calls us to help. You know, we're seeing right now a, a massive storm that's hitting the East Coast, and, you know, there are people out there who, who really deserve help, at least in the way that we think, and there are people who maybe we would think don't. God calls us to help all of them. So find a way this week to help someone and leave the question of deserving out of it. A few years ago, I, I served on a mission trip in Chicago and heard a story of a man named Joel, and he was telling us his story, and, and he had been homeless and because he, he'd become addicted to drugs and basically had alienated his family, and, and every support person that he had in his life, he, he'd you know, run that out and was just on his own, was living on the streets, and the only thing that, that he lived for was just getting his next high. That's all that he cared about. One day he was sitting on a park bench and wasn't even really begging. He just kind of had his hand out and was strung out and just kind of sitting there. And a man came up to him, and he handed him $2, not a lot, $2. And he looked him in the eyes and said, I'm praying for you. And that moment is the moment that was the catalyst for his entire life to change. God used that moment, that act of kindness that he clearly did not deserve, 
to totally change his life. He ended up getting clean. He found a relationship with Christ, and he, he got off the streets going through a program at, at a local shelter, and then went back and worked at that shelter and helped men who were going through the same thing that he had overcome to overcome that. God changed his entire life in an act that most of us would say he didn't deserve, and yet God offered that to him. God offers that to all of us. doesn't matter if we deserve it doesn't matter if we think that we're righteous or not, or even if we can help ourselves. God offers that to all of us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace. You offer it abundantly. You offer it without cost. You offer it to all of us, regardless of how little we think we deserve it regardless of how little we even may realize that we need it. And yet you give it to us all the same. So God, we pray that you would help us realize how desperately we need you. And that we would share the grace that we've been given. That oh, we wouldn't just be recipients if we go out and help the people who you put in our way that are in need. You would help us to serve you. God, we pray for all of those who are in harm's way this week. We pray that you would protect them, that you would watch over them. And then when the time comes, that you would send us. You would show us how it is that you would have us to help. And that because of you working through us, that their lives might be changed for the better. All these things we pray in the name of your Son, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.